is everybody? Let's get this stuff. Top of the morning. Top of the morning. Top of the morning. Top of the midday. Let's go. We got people. We got peoples from Maine to Spain. From Maine to Spain. <laughs> you know that's doing it again. That's not actually a lot of geography unless you go west. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's from, you know, but shout out to Cindy, Maine teacher of the year. We see you. Um, what's up? I, I'm good. I, I'm. I'm. I. I guess I'm good because I'm alive. Like we said before, I. I am well. I'm. I'm kicking it. Uh, actually, I, I just lied to you already. I. I think I have a head cold. It's not COVID. I just took a a COVID rapid test. Don't you like how that becomes a qualifier for like everything you're feeling? It's like, oh, I'm not feeling well. Uh, it's not COVID. It's not COVID. It's not COVID. Yeah. So, so it's not COVID. You took a rapid test. I took a rapid test. That was the big family event waiting for doing the rapid test. Cause yep. I don't know if you know this, but my wife, cause she is the brains of the operation. Yeah. Um, as I think it works in your house, but she went on, sure. she, she reads the emails from the school district, what? especially related to COVID. Mm-hmm. And she ordered four rapid tests from the school district. Oh, I, see, yeah. I don't read those emails. So yeah. I not so, we could do that. so people, if you are in Denver Public school, Schools and you have mm-hmm. kids and a, you are an educator, I think even, go ahead and order some rapid tests so you can keep them at the crib. Get you or, a rapid test. Or or just take your time to get your th- uh, three-day regular COVID test. Yeah. If I you mean, need some time. Yeah, <laughs> do what you got to do. <laughs> if you need time. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Well, hey, what's up? In case you don't remember us, we are two dope teachers and a microphone. I'm Gerardo Munoz. I am Kevin Adams. He is Kevin Adams, and we are coming at you from a panoramic. Still in a um, panoramic. Still in a panoramic. And so uh, we are merely two public school teachers in the city of Denver. And we come at you to remix this conversation on race, power, education, and pandemics. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we have to start adding that. that like, I mean, and our special guest for this week is COVID-19. Oh, COVID's still here. What's up, COVID? COVID holding down the block. I got y'all. COVID's like the block is high, y'all. Got people getting vaccinated out, out here. People I'm, getting I'm, vaccinated. In you know, I, COVID, COVID is, tries hard. <laughs> COVID goes hard. <laughs> COVID goes hard. We are so sorry to trivialize uh, yes. the worst pandemic Not trying in the history to. of humanity. We're not, we're really not trying to, it's just kind of like we get into this endemic aspect of, of, a, of a panoramic and it's like, yeah, this is just our life now. And this is what we're thinking about. But, um, but yeah, shout out to COVID-19. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Hey, if you are not super familiar with us, you can follow us on social media, uh, Instagram and Twitter at two dope teachers. Facebook.com at two dope teachers. And where else are we? Oh, we're on Gmail. Y'all are Gmail. Gmail. Uh, yes. Two dope teachers at gmail.com. And if you would like to join whoever is still supporting us financially, uh, you can go to patreon.com slash two dope teachers and um, get early previews to episodes and support us for as little as $5 a month. 
Um, and when you do that, you're actually supporting Tudo Productions, which includes, of course, this podcast, the flagship of Tudo Productions, but also the exit interview and habitually disruptive with me. Yes. So, what it do? What it do? What it do? What it do? Well, I want to start this episode out by shouting out mental health. Shout out to mental health. Wherever you are. (laughs) Wherever you are, our mental health professionals, all of our people, you know, we are in, like we said, uh, in this panoramic pandemic and, and uh, it's just putting a lot of pressure, I think on all of us and, and the struggle is very real, you know? And so yeah. I just, I just want to shout out mental health, take care of yourself. You know, uh, we're not saying self-care though. We're not no self-care, self-care. Cause that's we're not saying that that's been co-opted. They've done that's co-opted self-care co-opted. And I would argue weaponized, um, <laughs> co-opted yeah. and weaponized. Say more about that, man. Like, so I don't know if you knew, but I'm Colorado teacher of the year. Yes. And I yes. was in I was in DC a couple of weeks ago uh, for Washington week. We'll have to do a whole other episode about that because yes. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. Yes. A whole other it, episode. It was really wild. Um, but one of the things that was said was the deputy deputy. <laughs> deputy. The deputy. <laughs> <laughs> we are creating titles. We are renaming pandemics. Uh, the deputy secretary of education of your uh, great United States of America. Um, encourage the room full of teachers of the year to engage in self-care. And so me, me and our friend, Eric Hale, uh, have a certain relationship. He's yes. a meat, he's the meat tenderizer and I'm the spice. And so, um, so we just like kind of went in on that. And, uh, and it was kind of, it was just really interesting because it just shows the, how out of touch a lot of our policymakers are when it comes to what life on the ground is like. And, um, yeah, when we shout out mental health, I mean, you know, we've, we've heard of things happening in schools that are just um, kind of next level. And I guess we haven't like talked about a lot of this stuff. We haven't talked about devious licks. We haven't yep. talked about just kind of where, where students are, where teachers are. Cheers are. And, and I think like, so I was in a conversation with, with a colleague today and, you know, for them, we, this is like DEFCON 1 right? That we are in a serious situation with uh, folks wellness in our schools. Is that kind of what you were starting to refer to? Yes, absolutely. That's exactly what I'm talking about. You know, I I mean, and and genuine, and I I love that you you said, don't say that word self-care, you know, because it is so dangerous and it has been weaponized and used as a way to kind of, uh, to diminish genuine, you know, uh, challenges that people are facing, right? Yeah. And and to, to kind of undermine uh, people's uh, concerns and their needs and their desires right. and, and, and to justify, you know, moving in a direction of, of quote unquote normalcy and, yeah. and trying to, you know, close gaps and, uh, you know, Oof. Uh, Oof. my, my, you know, I have vertigo just like listening to, to the, to the jargon that you're you're sharing from you know policymaker like this was the interesting thing so we're in this conversation 
the keynote was given by this deputy secretary. I might be completely misunderstanding her title, but she yes. was there on behalf of the of the Department of Education. And when I kind of questioned, I was like, I would advise not using the term self-care. I would say I would offer to you as the humble Colorado State Teacher of the Year that the 66,000 teachers in my state feel that self-care is not a substitute for a humane policy. And so she came back and she's like, well, all those COVID dollars are coming to schools and they can use them however they want to. And let me just tell you that some schools have set up wellness centers and like all this kind of stuff. And I just wanted to say, um, yo, like wellness centers are great interrogating the conditions that require wellness centers that's better like that's why right. do we need why, why are we not asking why we need wellness centers and what the systemic implications are and this is not to say that we are helpless in this stuff um and in a second we'll both kind of share a little bit about the kind of action that teachers are taking right now to yeah. sort of you know meet this challenge and you know, yes, I believe that the only person who can, like, claim your own life is you, like, you can claim that and you can say, I refuse to subject myself to this. But at the end of the day, if we're looking for healing, and we're, we're looking for something better, then it has to be more than, you know, I got up and worked out this morning for 25 minutes. That's right. That's right. All right. Which, which I did not do. Um, that's right. But... <laughs> that's right. You know, it like at the, you know, like, and, and I, like people, people try to do things at well-meaning at the beginning. Right. But, yeah. but, but what, what really means a lot is like when you understand what we are going through and you, you take more off my plate, you, you help give me back my time that I need to, to just find a balance. <clears throat> right. Because, because, the struggle is real. It's very real. And, and like you are like drowning in it at times, you know, and it's yeah. like and as an educator, it's, you know, so much a part of our job, like we were talking about before we started is, is helping to meet other people's needs right. and taking care of them and being there that for them, you know, and and a lot of times it feels like some of the people who could take care of our needs and be there for us aren't always there. And so we have to depend on each other. Yeah. Right. And we find ways to depend on each other to depend on our community. Yep. You know, those people around us that our families and, and like Asia yeah. points out, sometimes they bear the burden yep. of, of, of all of the, the racial battle fatigue and uh, the other fatigue that we deal with. Yeah. Because as it turns out, racism hasn't gone anywhere. Like it's still with us. Um, that's right and you know homophobia and transphobia are still with us and all of these oppressive structures are still with us and so when you when you couple those things with the fact that we're in this pandemic and we're dealing with the fallout honestly um i think that's really important so so you started to allude to this a little bit where you were saying that you know take something off my plate we know that we have building leaders and district leaders. Um, that's a tease because we have a guest coming up in, um, in a couple of weeks that you might be interested to hear from. Um, so we have folks in leadership and policy positions 
who are who are listening to us faithfully like they always do. like they always do because they they want to have their fingers on the pulse they do of the they want to they want to know what 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 was going on in these streets that's right that's right and we are here we represent these teaching streets and it's- we like the push iced of education <laughs> the push of education look that, that up so if right. you don't know exactly look that up if you don't know, you're going to, Hey, speaking of which, um, so, you know, our, our mutual friend, Will Anderson, right. Yes. Uh, director of the teacher ed program at university of Denver. Shout out Ross, the will. Yes. Um, so, uh, we call, we also call him William, the thrillium, thrillium, um, thrillium. Uh, he, so he does this, he does this exercise in the teacher prep courses that he teaches where he has the, um, the teacher candidates analyze, a, a, you know, a passage of Nipsey Hussle, right? Yes. And so they have to try to understand it and then they have to write an analysis of it. But, but he tells him, he's like, but you have to write it like he wrote it. Like yes. you have to use Nipsey's vernacular in order to respond to this prompt. And they're like, I don't know how to do that. Like I could tell you, but I don't know how to write. I don't know like how, to, how to write like this. I don't this. know how to write like that. And he's like, exactly. So when you are asking students to read a textbook and respond based on how that textbook like you is written, would That's like right. they they struggle to do that just like you but so uh but i digress I, 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 I say that i say that to say this no i say it. that to say this <laughs> <laughs> so what do people need to know about these streets first of all it's hard out like here. it is hard you, you know like we talk about these kids and I love on them, but, but I, you know, like I, I think about the, the great resignation, right. That's going on. That's sweet. The, the, the sweeping, the wave that's sweeping the nation, you know, I call it, I call it the great realization, right. <laughs> people, people are realizing that they've been caught up in nonsense and they're like, yep. look, I can find me some sort of better way. There's gotta be right. But I think our kids, are, are kind of caught up in the gray resignation too. Yeah. But you know what? No, that's uh, real. That's they can't real. resign. They can't yeah. quit. But so, so a lot of them are like, I'm going to do the next best thing. And I ain't really going to do much. Yeah. <laughs> yep. You know, and I, and I think that's right. And I think that, you know, we, we have a mutual colleague that we've both spent a lot of time talking to fantastic educator really does a lot of great work to support kids and what she was sharing with me was, and with us actually in a gathering yeah. where she, she was saying, you know, the thing is that something has just shifted for everybody, um, yep. for students, for teachers. And we're at a point, it's only November, right? Like literally we've been less than, less than an academic quarter fully in person, right? Like maybe yep. a little bit yep. more. Yep. Yep. And I think we still don't know what that fallout's been. You know, no, no, like we're starting to get these hints of it, right? Like early on, you and I had a conversation where it was like, does it seem to you like these 10th graders are kind of like eighth graders? You know, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, does it seem to you that eighth graders are kind of like sixth graders? Yeah. And, and so you start talking about the, you know, the, the first phrase to come out was learning loss, right? But yes. then you start talking about social emotional learning loss. And I think that that's, even more insidious because and it's funny you you say this to policymakers and they're like nobody knew this was coming and we're out here like teachers like um excuse me yeah uh, yeah there's a lot of us that thought this was going to be an issue there's a lot of people a lot of smart people again out in these streets 
who are writing about what are the developmental implications for being out of a school building for a year or more. And yep. it isn't that nobody knew that this was coming. People stop saying that nobody saw this coming. A lot of us saw this coming and you did not listen. That's right. We were so desperate to get these test scores back up and to keep pace with other countries that frankly have invested way more in public education than we have, that you did not actually look at the thing. What happens when you are teaching 10th grade advanced placement world history to kids for whom the last time they were in a building was in eighth grade? In eighth grade. And, and, and again, and these kids, they and, and I can't blame them, but they found ways to cope with going to school online right. in a pandemic, That's right? right? That's they right. found ways to cope, to get through, nah, I like how you say that. get I up like every day that. and be up and get online and do this stuff. And now today, like a lot of their coping mechanisms, we took away be, just by being back in a building. And the few other little coping mechanisms that they had, you know, like <clears throat> checking your Instagram because you've gotten this weird habit of checking it all the time, all right? The time. Because it was something that at least maybe felt comforting because it probably for a minute you were getting a lot of news that way, figuring yeah. out what was going on in the world. Maintaining connections to people in your life, like when you weren't really able to see them at school, when That's you right. really see them. That's yeah. right. You weren't able to, and, and trying to kind of maintain. And so the kids still, they, you know, you develop those habits and we know for kids, for adults, habits are hard to break, yeah. right? But for yeah. those kids, especially at the age they are, these are really tough habits, right? And they yeah. were really comforting for them in a tough time. And I don't think they ever understood that that was what was going on, you know, yeah. but but we know that's how the psychology of it all plays. We all have as adults, there's stuff that we clung to. You know, a lot of us had that extra cup of coffee. You know, a lot of us were like, uh, I haven't put on uh, real pants in a year. <laughs> I remember I, so I bought a pair of Vans in February of 2020. And then I and I never wore them. Right. It was yes, like late yes, February. Yes. And then the pandemic hit. And then. Like, and then it was like March of 2021 where I was kind of like, yo, I got new shoes. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, oh, yeah. Like new shoes. You know, and uh, yeah, and I, I think that's so important to kind of recognize that these coping mechanisms are really important. And so, what we've heard from a lot of folks out here is that there are buildings trying to adopt zero tolerance policies for electronic devices, for all of these things. And it's kind of like, I get it. I get it. Like, we are facing an epidemic. It's a screen epidemic as well. That's right. Yeah. And it and it was bad before like the pandemic. Now I keep wanting to say panoramic. Um, <laughs> before the pandemic started. Um, and now it's just compounded. And like to me, it's almost like, you know, when you have somebody that's addicted to a substance, yes. you can't just go cold turkey. No. You go cold turkey and it messes with you. And so I think that. Do we want kids to spend less time on their phones? Absolutely. Absolutely. Is the way to just have zero tolerance and, you know, call in like the dean and people to enforce like these, these rules that sometimes feel really draconian and, and it put us at odds with our students. Um, I really feel like my first four weeks with my eighth grade advisement um, was fighting phones tooth and nail. And then I finally just kind of said to myself, you know what? We're going to approach this differently. We're going to prioritize a child before we prioritize yep. the rules. 
And I think these are things that are hard lessons that I'm really confident that we could learn these lessons if the folks who are making decisions that are putting this pressure on us would just let up. Yeah, yeah. Just no, I love take that. Take it easy. Prioritize the child, not the rule. Like you always say, we teach kids. That's yep. we don't teach subjects. We teach kids. Yep. And 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 again, we see what our needs of our kids are right now. We yep. see, you know, that that it's something different right now. And and who knows? Like this could lead to something very different, right? If we meet these needs and 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 really understand where they're at and but but i feel like the push is to return to normal the push is is the policy it was like okay last year we took off but this year now we're back we're back serious we're gonna be more serious than we ever were before going back to like like we've talked about bad policies that that were in existence before all this even started and that are going to make things much Worse. Well, here's the thing is that as, as you were talking, something occurred to me, and that is that no matter what we do, like things are going to change. So if we continue down this road of putting on the blinders when it, and I don't say that in an ableist sense, I say that in the horse sense. Yes, I got <laughs> um, you. I know what you if meant. We, if we just choose not to see the issues, I mean, it's gonna rupture, right? Like, it's gonna take us down a path that we don't want to go down, you know, and if you talk to your and I love that you shouted out our mental health professionals, our student support professionals, folks who aren't always categorized as teachers, because they don't have classrooms, and they don't have a syllabus, or quizzes and stuff like that. But I've spent a little bit of time talking to our support staff and support staff in other spaces. Yep. And started to really recognize that what they are doing, what they're being tasked with is so much right now. So much. I was, I spoke with someone the other day who said that we are, we are at a really critical point where the number of kids who are needing, you know, support and who are needing intervention, there's just too many of them for existing staff to deal with. And so, I mean, one of the things I would say in terms of trying to meet this challenge as teachers, I think part of it is understand that the child's humanity is the most important thing, right? I had a student come to class that I haven't seen in about a week. um, And I could have given that student a really hard time. I'm I'm so past doing that where where I'm just kind of like, yo, what's up? How are you? Good to see you. It's really good to see you. Are you? Because you know, they're uncomfortable. They're uncomfortable about it. So I'm like, like, I love you. You don't got a trip. Exactly. You got a trip, and and so recognizing that, you know, whatever they're doing, they're doing the best that they can, and what they really need is someone to see them and celebrate them first, right? And once you do that, you know, then you can start making good decisions about okay, where do I push them a little bit, and where do I lay off, and it becomes a human. It becomes a human relationship. That's it. Know? That's the realness. That's and you don't fight, and you don't fight the silly stuff. Like, and I'm, I'm a proud dude, man. Like, you know me, you yep, heard I know you fighting, fighting with the eighth graders and, you know, but what I've kind of realized and I, you know, there was one young student that um, I had to really apologize to. And I, you know, I talked to them. I said, listen, 
I've been coming at you in a way that is that that's kind of mean. Like yeah, I haven't yeah, been yeah. patient with you at all. I haven't treated you with any kindness. And I just want to tell you, I'm sorry. Like you, you, you deserve to be treated better because you're a person who deserves to be treated like a person. And I'm committed to being better and our relationship's better now. Like yes. his, his behavior is not perfect. Mine isn't either. That's you right. Know? That's right. And you just start to get to know the environment. You get to know kind of where they are and just kind of build from there. And that's really hard. It's really hard if you're a teacher that wants to, that, that is so used to being able to dictate everything that happens in the class. Well, now you're having to adjust in real time. Definitely. Definitely. Yep. So, you know, just remember the student comes first. Um, that's the important thing. Students are real talk. Yo, we cannot teach them if we cannot reach them. That's right. That's right. Can't and do it. It's, it's, it's hard. It's hard work. It's hard. Work. It's hard it's work. But it's because it's heart work. No, I got, like, I got that. I do y'all hear like what I'm saying? Yeah, I feel like you're trying to explain it to me. Like I get it, bro. You didn't like H A R D versus H E A R. Hold on, I'm gonna write it out. <laughs> I'm gonna write it out. That video show yet? We don't have it. Hey, how many of y'all would watch Two Dope TV? I mean, that'd Two be Dope Television. Two Dope Television, bro. We're gonna build an empire. Two Dope TV. We're coming for you, JC. <laughs> bunch JT. of teachers bunch of teachers um that's it we'd have no, to get yeah. different we, we we have faces for radio we'd have to get different teachers for two dope tv I don't know what you're talking about like we are oh men. okay there we go we are there handsome we men. i don't know what you're talking about we are we we, 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 this, we got we we could do that it's like men in black we're like we make this look good good that's we right. are the prettiest faces in podcasting that's no right cap. No, no cap, cap. no cap. um meanwhile at us Three thousand listeners a month are saying, uh, "Cap, cap, cap, cap." cap. <laughs> um, no, but I, I mean, I think that's the thing, and I, I think the other part of of the mental health conversation before we take a break and come back to this next really weird topic that yes. is happening. Yes, um, and it's so weird that we have to address it. So, um, but before we do that, I just want to, um, I, I just want to also let teachers know that you have a voice. And the minute you lose your fear, those oppressive forces lose their power. And so we have to realize that somebody has got to speak truth to the, the decision makers. You know, in my community organizing class, one thing that we talk about a lot is, okay, what is widely felt? What is deeply felt? What is winnable? And who can say yes? Yes. So you identify who it is that will that has the power to say yes to the things and you do that and and this implicates everybody right like i've been thinking a lot about this there are way more of us and when i say us i mean people working in buildings principals assistant that's principals right. that's right counselors school psychologists social workers classroom people teachers, in these streets para educators like we are all out here and so if all of us in galeano's words just decide to say no Nah, we ain't going to do that to our kids. We ain't going to do that to our school leaders. We ain't going to do that to our classroom teachers. We ain't going to do that to our community. That's I right. mean, what can possibly happen now we're about to get like fired. But, um, but I think, but I think it is important that we, that we push and we advocate and we stand up. And I just want to shout you out for being on that bargaining team. Shout out, shout out to the whole bargaining team. The Cause I did not team. want that smoke. <laughs> 
I, yeah. shot out, shot out. But, but yes, I mean, that's, that's important work. And I, man, brother, I'm so I'm so glad that you're doing that. Um, not because it means I don't have to do it, but because because, you know, you are stepping you are in the lion's den. That's what, it's it's, you know, it, it, it's hard and it is in the lion's den. And, you know, you 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 learn a lot, you know, and I encourage people to tune in to the next bargaining session. Check it, check it, uh, check it. Uh, as or any bargaining sessions, you know, and 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 really see what goes on in your districts, uh, right. and, and and how 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 the administration, um, and I mean the downtown administration, the big administration, not your building administration. No, no. How how they view you and the work that you do, right. and uh, you know, stay stay in solidarity. I believe that the only power we have is the power of sticking together. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we are going to take a break. Um, after this, we will come back. We're going to talk a little bit about the culture wars that are happening in these streets. Uh, I've got one shout out I want to do. And, uh, and then we will close things off. So stay with us. Hey, we're here. Um, before we get back into things, want to tell you about Quetzal Education Consulting. Quetzal Education Consulting is a queer, Black, and Indigenous women-owned firm offering anti-racist consulting, professional development, coaching, keynotes, workshops, and more. Their newly released Abolitionist Teaching Workshop series coaches and prepares teachers to further develop abolitionist practices in the classroom. Find out why they have been called the future of educational justice by Dr. Bettina Love. You can book a free consultation with Quetzal by calling 510-397-8011 or visiting quetzalec.com. That is Q-U-E-T-Z-A-L-E-C.com. And if you mention that you heard about them from Two Dope Teachers, you will receive a 5% discount on their Abolitionist Teaching PD series. Once again, you can book with them by visiting quetzalec.com on their Connect With Us page. Man, it's, it's great to hear Quetzal growing, man. Like, yes. you know, we had that great conversation with Marilyn that was like somehow like a college seminar plus sitting around listening to stories plus church it was like all those things it was yes yes it, it, it was deeply magical and a real moment you know uh from a real system so yeah i, I love it i love yeah, it yeah so c- come out and support that uh, they're doing they're doing better work than the consultants at your district is probably hiring. That's right. That's right. Advocate for them. Get in there. This is why you got to join uh, the decision-making bodies in your building. That's right. So That's you right. can advocate for when you, when those questions of what should we do with that PD, you say, Hey, I know a dope PD consulting group. Let's all yep. let, let's yep. get them to come through because they, yep. they are going to, you know, really help us to, to get this abolitionist yep. thing right. And we would be remiss if we also did not mention Lions Educational Consul- That's right. Consulting, our family, Asia Lions, out there doing that great work, changing the world one professional development at the time. So, hey, man, I got a question for you. You could, you could have, you could have, prof- I bet you could find a, women of color to lead your profession, every professional development throughout the year. Let's get yep. that started. Let's, Let's put your money where your mouth is. That's right. All women That's of right. color, professional developments from here on out. Let's I'm go. Saying, 
I'm saying, I mean, but we're also available, but yes, if we, but, but we're like, we're your second choice. If they can't come, then we're here. Then we're here um, so no, I have a question for you. So my question for you, brother. Yes. Are there two sides to every story? Two sides to every story. I mean, are there two, two, two sides to every story? I mean, like, I suppose there are like, so like if I hit you, like I slap you upside the back of your head again. And, and you're like, <laughs> he slapped me upside the back of the head. And I'm like, hold on. You got to hear my side of the story. I mean, maybe it doesn't mean that the both sides are right. No, but I think in that case, it would probably be that both sides are right. Because if you slap me upside my head, I probably had it coming <laughs> because you are not a violent person. Like, I'm this not. is not your MO. You don't just go around slapping people, slapping upside, people the upside the head. And we know factually that I go around <clears throat> begging to be slapped upside <laughs> the head. <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> so, so, you know, in that case, there are probably multiple sides to a story. Um, yes. and, I, and I know reliably as a historian that if Kevin slapped Hedda upside the head, that would be really unusual because Kevin is not the upside of the head slapping type. I try not to be. I try yeah. not to be. You're not. You're you're a man of peace. So, but there are some things where this two sides argument is actually really harmful. And so you wanted to talk about this, and I want to talk about it with you. Yes, yes. And and you know, like this this is the example I think of, of what's going on and and what's playing out at schools, what's what's fueling you know, certain types of people to run for school board and even get elected to the mm. school board. But it's it's this debate about what is taught in schools and that that really, you know, this idea. And I think it probably really starts to really move when educators start saying black lives matter and, right. and black lives matter starts to become a a subject in school but i think it goes back further right yeah to the vietnam yeah. war it yeah. goes to to I mean, uh, goes the to civil rights movement it goes to mccarthyism it yeah. goes to all that but right now you know it's playing out in terms of uh buzzwords like crt or critical race theory right. but also i think the latest manifestation of this whole movement comes to us from um, our educate uh, from the the Texas community, the state of Texas. Oh, Eric, help these people out. <laughs> Eric, Eric, help these people. Uh, yeah, this is your job, Texas Teacher of the Year, uh, yeah. to fix this. But Get so this is this uh, a school administrator, uh, high level administrator, suggests that educators in Texas need to make sure when they're teaching about the Holocaust that they teach both sides of the Holocaust. What, what do they mean by that? I'm curious. Well, my friend asked me, my friend, you know, he's, you know, we were talking and, yep. he, you know, he says, well, what type of, what sides of the Holocaust, what two sides of the Holocaust do you teach at your school? I said, at my school, there's only one side to the Holocaust. <laughs> well, there are two sides. There are the people who are on the right side of history and the people That's who are right, on the wrong, on the wrong side, side of history. Of history. And yeah. so we, you know, we, we acknowledge that those people exist, which yeah. I suppose, I guess we're saying that there are people. What is, I don't know what they want. Do they want us to Well, teach? so like, here's the thing is that 
I've worried about this ever since I was in high school and free speech was a tool that we used to challenge like traditional elitist white stream narratives about history. So because so many people and not not just in the 90s, even though we are the greatest generation. Yep. Yes. um, yes. (laughs) Even even though we were talking about this in the 90s, like a lot of this stuff around free speech and and the limitations of free speech were weaponized against progressives and against civil rights leaders, particularly, you know, folks who were leading the civil rights movement in the South, fighting segregation and all those kinds of things. But what's happened and what we've seen from certain quarters of our wonderful American society is this bad faith appropriation of ideas of free speech, right? Um, Because the thing is that I think that you can make a case that, that free speech is free speech, right? And that there's no constitutional power to tell a person they can't say the things that they want to say. That's right. And this is why I think I'm drawing a through line between that reality and the fact that all these people are running for school board, because the way that you undermine the democratic ideal is by attacking the public schools. That's That's how you do that. And that's that's the easiest, quickest way. Easiest way to do it. And then the other thing, too, is so I would assume, Kev, because I think you have read more on this than I have and you're teaching history right now and I'm not. I would assume that when they say to teach both sides, they are not asking you to identify the fact that Adolf Hitler rose to power, not because he himself was the most evil person ever, but because Germany was in a particularly anti-Semitic tradition and the conditions allowed for his rise. And so a lot of people were willing to hate Jews and anybody who was different because they already thought that. I'm pretty that's sure right. that's not what they're saying you should teach. No, I don't, I don't think, I don't think that I'm pretty sure because, well, you know, to me, that sounds what you're talking about sounds like you're getting towards some sort of systematic analysis of. I might be theorizing. structural oppression, yes. you know, that 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 is evolved from uh, the society and the or the government. Right. I'm just Synergistically. Right. Just, and just so I, I wish there was a way like, I don't know, a critique yeah, of the society yeah, if there was and, a way to... and how they have racial identities are constructed yes. in the society. If we could just develop a theory around a theory. This. That that you know allowed us to critique the Yo, construction folks, if you, of if racial you know identity. Of any, if you know of any such theories that allow for us to consider racial identities in a critical way, just let us know. Uh, but but I don't know that I don't think that's useful in understanding the Holocaust. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I don't know. Sure. I think uh, for me, I think that it helps explain a lot, right? Because <laughs> yeah. the question is that our students always have. How could how could average people allow something so evil to happen, right? Yeah. But it's based on the fact that they had constructed racial narratives about these people, right? Yeah. Just yeah. like we might argue in this country, we've constructed racial narratives about groups of people that have we allowed might argue that. horrible argue that. things to happen throughout history and yeah. to justify denying people access and opportunity. Yeah. 
Well, that's right. And, you know, so I'm showing my ethnic studies class. Um, I am not your Negro right now. Yes, and yes. that's a hella triggering like film. Like if you're going to show it, make sure you watch it first. Yes. So that you can let kids know, particularly your black students know yeah. that there is going to be some triggering language and they don't, they have a right to not have to hear that in their lives. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting because when you start explaining, for example, in this country, the roots of anti-blackness, it gets you into all these different iterations. And that movie is hard. That's a hard movie to watch and follow yep. um, because Baldwin was smarter than everybody. And that's right. When you, when you start following, you start realizing that all this stuff was so deeply ingrained going all the way back to 1619 and, you know, playing out in the present day. And I think the same thing can be said. I mean, you know, the first person convicted in the Nuremberg trials was a journalist like tells you something yeah it tells you something it tells you the power of like words matter words absolutely matter and actually gotta tell you um uh, my friend Korsha, the uh, minnesota teacher of the year was actually invited to test the, or to to witness the um the the testimonials against uh the folks responsible for the january 6th um invasion of the capitol and i just think that like those things really matter and um and the notion that we can talk about the Holocaust while protecting everybody's feelings involved is just naive. And it sets us back a hundred years. And, 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 and so like, if, if you would go and, and, and say that this was gonna be a policy in Germany, this would be against the law. It would be against the law. You know, they're, they, and, and I think, that should be our rules when it comes yeah, like to how wild. we deal with it. How does wild Germany approach it? Yeah, how do like, they deal with it? Like wild that we are protecting like the Nazi name more than the country that they came from. Right. That's right. Like that's just wild. And you know, the, like th one of the things that kind of springs to mind a little bit is that when you, and I really love how you named that, that this is actually literally criminal activity in the place where this took place. Like, I, I just think that that's such an interesting thing. But I think I think this is the issue, right? Um, like, I was doing a reading for one of my classes. And one of the, this is a community-based research class, which is, like, uh -huh. super dope. Like, I stand community-based research. Yes. And one of the arguments or one of the assertions made by one of the writers was that truth is constructed in community, right? That's like, right. and in a very real way none of us is privy to the truth truth right that's right but i think what we're seeing here and this two sides of the holocaust issue is just a symptom right? yes yes what we're seeing here is that if we can get into small groups small siloed groups that only want to hear ourselves and our own biases and our own hatreds and all those things then we can construct our own truth that's right. And we can take that truth and weaponize that truth and turn that truth into real policy that affects real people. That's right. That's the scariest so thing about it. There's lots of memes about this right now. And, you know, I, I think maybe in maybe in 100 years, um, our grandchildren are going to look back and laugh like hell about this, because hopefully what we've seen is that we have this really wicked blip in the early part of American history and that the people corrected it. Um, but we're not there yet. No, like, no. And there's, there's people who, who 
are deathly afraid and, and, and they get, you know, like that, that part of the root of the true small D democratic pluralistic part of the United States is rooted in the public education system. It's the only place where the government actually says that we can try to meet the needs of different of people of different cultures. Like it's the, like all of a sudden you get out of school and no longer do they try to meet your needs rarely anywhere. Right. You know? And so like, I think that's their intentional attack. And I think we stumbled onto this, this critical piece of educating. And it's what let's, 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 let's also acknowledge this is an area of deep interest for kids. Yeah. Identity is something that we talk about what engages them. They are engaged by these stories. They have questions about what is going on in their world. Why are the police killing black people? What is the history? What happened to the native people of this country? Why have we treated women the way we have? Why is it such a big deal to have LGBTQ plus members in our community expressing themselves? Preach, preach, preach. Because... Because they're struggling with these issues themselves. Yeah, I, you know, the- and, and and we and, and these people want to take away and the and I think the only reason why we teach about these things is because it says it's best practice to teach the kids about the things that they can connect to. Yeah, and on top of that, I think um, yes to all that, like hundred percent. And I also think, like you know, what's really funny is I have not uttered the phrase critical race theory in my class since I started teaching I think studies these are questions that the kids bring right that's and right so when someone tells me I'm not allowed to talk about certain things I don't actually have to that's right like, the students are like yo so what's going on with this holocaust stuff and I'm kind of like here we go let's you go. asked I'm your teacher that's right my job is to teach to, and I'm going to share with you some information and I'm going to let you do with that information what you That's feel right. is appropriate. And I'm also not going to be an apologist for fascists. I'm not going to be an apologist for Nazis. I'm not going to be an apologist for white supremacists. I will say the furthest I'll go is to say this ideology made sense to a lot of people in this time. Let's figure out why it made sense. But don't get it twisted. Like just because something makes logical sense doesn't make it right. You know, yes. and um, yeah, so we're, I mean, we're, we are, we, this is like, this is a scary moment. And especially like for, for, especially for veteran teachers, like you and me, we've mm-hmm. dedicated our entire careers to expanding the tent of giving our students an entry point to let them know, you know what? Yeah, man, like this country is flawed and imperfect, just like every other country in the world. But here is how you claim your space. You create your space, you form the narrative, you build what this country needs to be. And to see this backlash, I can't say it's surprising. Um, I think it's savvy, I think it's cruel, and I think it's undemocratic, and I think it's an attack on all notions of freedom that a lot of us have been fighting for. I mean, amen to that. It's the truth. It is like the absolute truth. And and, and it's intentional. 
It's very yeah. intentional. And, and I think, you know, I think people need to be aware of it. And this is why you have to be involved in your school boards and run for school boards. There needs to be more diverse perspectives. And if you don't look like the typical school board candidate, if you roll up in there with straight facts, if, you know, you, you, yes. you know, you might smell like weed time to time, uh, <laughs> but you still a member of the community, you oh, there, right. you that's know, right. you, 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 you might not have the same level of education or gone I mean, to we, the high we, level. We criminalize weed in the city. So that's like, right. why are we even judging? That's right. Why would you yeah. judge people? But again, <laughs> but, but I'm just saying like, we need, we need real people yeah. in the community to come and speak to the needs of their children and, and, and our kids, our students, teachers, educators, former educators, SSPs, SPED yeah. educators to, to, to just come through and, and I think take over that type of stuff. Yeah. And I think, I think also, um, also all of us collectively as a society need to move away from fear. And I think that I think there are too many of us. And, and I say this as somebody who is probably like this until just yep. a few years yes. ago. Stop worrying about losing your job. Like you've got to come out. And I would rather I'd rather lose my job for my authentic self than to keep my job for something that I'm not. Because Amen that, to that is not helpful to anybody and it doesn't empower your community. So I think there's all you know, we had an interview weeks ago with um, Angela Watson, you were out of town. And so uh, our sister Brooke uh, stepped in on that one. And I loved what she said as a cis white middle-class woman, you know, who's just like everybody else in education. Yep. Yep. Cis white middle-class woman. And Angela said, I'm tired of waiting for people to catch up. I am not taking my white community from where they are. There's a place that we need to be. And if we don't get there, I'm not going to wait for you. I'm just going to go and you need to keep up. And I really think that that's part of it in the same way that as men, we've got to take up the torch. That's right. The things that we do to reinforce patriarchy, just like cis people have to understand the ways in which we condone and allow homophobia and transphobia. That's right. And, um, and we have to just do the work and we have to be willing to just speak that truth to power. It's about doing the little disruptions where they come up and making people think. And at the end of the day, what really matters is whether we speak truth to power. We cannot control whether those in power choose to hear it. That's right. We can't That's control right. that, but we can control our choice to say how we show up. Yeah. That's speaking it. Of sh- speaking of showing up, before we uh, wrap up today, um, man, that felt good. That felt really good. That to this. Start speaking yes. to that. And, you know, I think it might be good if we start doing a little bit of a series on these culture wars that we start bringing in some perspectives and kind of dealing. Because the thing is that certain, el- certain political elements in this great nation of ours have yes. always looked for these wedge issues, have always right. looked for ways right. to divide and create suspicion and play the system for their own gain and you know don't look any further than the than the new electoral maps that were developed that's right in the last that's year. right that's um, right if you don't believe me um apparently land gets the vote so hey who knew hey um, who knew i do want to shout out someone really dope bro that uh, i'm hoping we can get her on the podcast soon. let's hear it who is it that is the 2022 colorado teacher of the year yes autumn Rivera from 
Glenwood Springs. Give it up for Autumn. Yay! Yo, and so Autumn um autumn is on the western slope we ain't got to say on the western more slope. about that Glenwood um, springs out there represent grade middle school science all right teacher. give it up i you know me middle school I represent middle school represent middle school all so day. i was talking to somebody from uh Quetzal and and she was just laughing she's like middle schoolers are petty <laughs> <laughs> i'm like they sure are it's my they will let you favorite. have it it's my favorite. Oh, bro. Like at some point we got to talk about that, that virtual career fair. Did Takari tell you about it? No, I haven't heard Dude, that. ask him about it. He and Alton just went to town. Yeah, oh, oh I know. How, I, I got to ask him. I will. Cause he could go off on stuff like that. It's he great. Will, it's great. He will go off on stuff like that. It was amazing. So, so Autumn teaches uh, eighth grade um, science. One of the things that they did is they actually saved a lake in All the right. Glenwood Springs area. And it was awesome. recently designated as park space, which I think is the first lake in the country to be designated as park space. And so um, Autumn is dope. Um, so happy to have another woman, another person of color. Yes. Uh, two years in a row representing yes. our state. Let's go. And, you know, maybe maybe she can uh, she can get into that final four, which would be hella dope for our state. And for That's our it. So That's it. Shout out, Autumn. We can't wait to have you on the show yes um it's gonna be super fun um but we'll do that you got anything else before we go man you know just just i just want to tell all the people that you you are beautiful you are special you you are rays of light and beauty and 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 even in your darkest times never forget that i know it's tough but uh just just know that you have strength of the ancestors running through your veins and that, you know, this too shall pass and we, we will make it through this and we're, we're going to keep going and two dope teachers in the mic is going to be here for you. We will be here. We out here. Y'all are out here. So let's, let's, let's get this stuff. Let's get it. And, and I will, I will also add that you are enough. That's right. You are and you are not alone. Like right. we don't have great. And you know, we were in a in a conversation um, with an early service teacher recently, and this this young educator was very frustrated about you know where they felt like their practice was, and they just weren't doing a great job. They'd had an incident in class and made them feel real bad. And my favorite part of that was that every one of us in the room was like, "Bruh, I've been there." That's <laughs> it. Like yo, it's okay. Nobody's perfect. And we're all growing. And it doesn't matter whether you are a first year teacher or the state teacher of the year, we all been there. Like, and for some of us, it wasn't that long ago. That's right. That's right. Remember that like, you're not alone and you are enough. And we, I just want to invite everyone who is just feeling this hurt right now, come to community. Like for me, community, community heals for me. It does. It does. You know, we heal in community, we abolish in community, we build something better in community. And I, I don't know what that looks like. I don't know if that even looks like everybody staying in the teaching profession, but come to community. That's you it. Won't regret it. You will That's not it. regret it. Um, so in the spirit of community, in the spirit of resistance, in the spirit of resilience, in the experience of in the in the spirit of radical joy, please Kevin Adams. Gerardo Munoz, please, every day during this panoramic, during all this nonsense, make sure that you always stay dope. dope.